After this, you're going to owe me a favor. What favor? You're going to have to learn your cliches. You're going to have to study them. You're going to have to know them. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. Ten, five, touchdown. Oh, man, you know, you just got to play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right! Play ball. Hey, yo, sports movie fans, and thanks, you know, for downloading this year's podcast. Scoring at the movies number 98. Us here mentally irregular sports fans talk about flicks with sweaty action once every other Thursday, and we spoil the movie, you know. I'm the short guy in platform heels who will get killed to death and knocked to tomorrow because he dared to get civilized. Ryan Rocky Ellis. And here's the ultimate male, a dinosaur who can cause a variety of damage. The heavyweight champion of the world, the hard-punching battler from Toronto, Clubber Christy Gregorio. Wow. What an intro, huh? Was that four different voices in one intro? Coming in hot. I did an intro for the 13th podcast, that documentary, Yeah, where I used the president's voices. Bill Clinton, Nixon was in there, Trump, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> this might have been even more, though, this time. Impressive. I was a little bit skeptical when you suggested that we record this podcast wearing only cut-off tank tops and short shorts, but it works. Our pork swords are not flying because we're sitting <laughs> down, but if we were running, dong, dong, dong. I feel like some of the things I just said in the intro and that Pork Swords reference, we've already made references to in previous Rocky podcasts because we've covered them out of order, but we've done Rocky 2, we've done Rocky 4, and we've done Creed 2. That's right. That one I covered the original Rocky and Creed for the Top 100 project, so we've covered almost all the Rocky movies now between the two podcasts in, what's it been, maybe six years? And you and I have covered more in a shorter period of time, <laughs> but out of order. It's the fun thing. Four, then two, and now three. Yeah, well, then we'll have to do... Oh, and Creed 2, sorry. So four, then Creed 2, then Rocky 2, and now Rocky 3. Yeah, we'll have to do, I guess, to make sure that we're not being chronological here, we'll have to do Rocky Balboa next. Which we should point. do. That's a pretty good movie. Mason, the line. No, that's not good. I like that nickname. I know how much you hate it. That's why I keep saying it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have to do that, and then we'll have to come back to the greatest in the franchise... Rocky Five. I would do it. You're the one that hates it. I don't hate it. I just think it's by far the worst of the franchise. It's a pretty dumb movie. I haven't watched a Rocky in a while. I know you recently saw the recut version of Rocky Mm -hmm. Four, which I still haven't seen. But watching this just made me want to watch not so much Creed or Creed Two, because that's obviously a different focus, but at least the six Rocky-centric movies. I'm like, I'm going to just go back and rewatch that, because they are all streaming through one of the channels on Prime go nuts with Rocky. That says a lot for how fun the series is. I was about to say good. That might be debatable, but fun for sure. This is one of the great examples of fun. This might be the most fun of all the sequels. Well, Rocky 4, because it's so bad. Although you just mentioned the recut, which I did watch. I think the week it came out, I paid the money for it, believe it or not. And I thought it might have been a better movie. I think maybe Stallone was right to do that. I don't like director's cuts. This is one time where maybe it was even better. Unquestionably, there are movies in the franchise that are just straight up good. Like one and two, I think, are both good movies by anybody's estimation. And you can argue which one of the two. The first Creed also. The first Creed as well, absolutely. And then, yeah, as you go through, especially the first six Rocky movies, they become less objectively good and more campy fun. I think the way you feel about a movie in terms of how much you like a given Rocky movie is what you expect out of it. And if you want something that's campy and fun and an artifact of its time, because I think basically from Rocky 3 onwards, they are artifacts of when they were made. 
And that's kind of what I personally want out of it. I want the camp. I want the silliness. I want this 80s vibe just permeating through. And Rocky IV has that in spades. We talked about that when we covered it on the podcast. Elements of that movie are just incredibly dumb, like the robot that got removed, as I understand it, from the recut version. It serves no purpose. Polly being so annoying... He isn't so annoying in that version. Well, that's even the stuff in Russia. He's not so annoying as he was in the one. <laughs> but that's his whole of. thing. He's being annoying. Even in this movie, his whole thing is basically being. <laughs> he started annoying. being insufferable by this point. That's true. So Two, he's got less of a point as he did in one, but he still needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Needs to be here, arguably. And then it gets yeah. worse and worse as they go along until the fact. Well, we see a little bit of in this movie. He gets flat out racist. Funny too, because they're in a part of L.A. This is obviously black centric. Black centric is that the right word for? It? I don't. A lot know. of black people are where they go to train. Apollo's old, Apollo's old gym, yeah. And, and then it's, yeah. I don't like these people. Maybe they don't like you either, Paulie. It's a good line. But he comes from, and maybe this wasn't true in the early 80s, a city that's known for black people. In the election last year, people said that Trump was targeting places like Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Atlanta because that's they're right. so black-centric. We always think of New York and L.A. That's obvious. Well, they're just multicultural in general. But Philly, probably then, and certainly now, Paulie's around these people. <laughs> I'll say it. Paulie's around these people all the time. So what's the big deal? It's almost like, I can't believe I'm around all these black people. He doesn't say that. And in Rocky Balboa, I know I talked about that in one of our previous Rocky podcasts. That's when he gets so bad because he's just blatantly being racist for no reason about natives and such. Yeah, it gets very bad by that point. I don't want to defend Paulie as a character because part, I think, of the problem with that character is the fact that this is a movie that's 40 years old this year. True. I think the intention 40 years ago was that Paulie was supposed to be somebody that is showing the roots that Rocky and he both came from, right? So basically a very small person, a narrow-minded person who has a jumped-up opinion of himself. But unlike Rocky, he never amounted to what his own opinion of himself was. And the way that he expresses that is by lashing out at the only people that are ever good to him, but also by looking at the people around him in the world as being lesser than he. And prejudging, which is what prejudice means. Exactly. Now, they are staring the four of them, well, really the three white people down. I think part of that might be, that's the heavyweight champion of the world over there. What's he doing here? And maybe Duke, who seems to run the gym, or at least is there in the gym, didn't tell them that Apollo A and Rocky B, along with his wife and brother-in-law, are coming into our gym today. That's how I read that. Everybody is tense and staring at them, but that's not just Rocky, Polly, and Adrian walking in. That's also Apollo walking in with them, and they're all treating them the same way. Then Apollo says, I'm going to go say hi, and it all changes. Everybody loosens up. I got the impression it really was, why are these people here, and less, why are these white people here? You know, I don't think that was quite the message. Because everybody in that gym when they walk in is black, and also... I noticed this time, and I've seen this movie so many times, Adrian's glaring at Polly when he's doing that stuff until Rocky says... Maybe they don't like you either, Paulie. That whole line. I was watching Adrian this time, and she doesn't say anything, but she's mad at him for being that way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression of Adrian as a character throughout the series is that she loves Paulie, and it's her brother, but she's always disapproving of his behavior yeah. to varying degrees. And you're right. In this movie, that isn't really expressed explicitly, but you can see the glares. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, speaking of Adrian, though, and I don't think we're going to have a lot to talk about with her. She movie. has one scene in this movie that means anything, and it's a good one, it's but a pretty good one, one scene, and that's it. I'm assuming you're talking about the scene on the beach when she confronts Rocky about why he's behaving the way he is. I am. And that's a solid scene. Are you going to try? She might as well just say that. Are you going to make any effort whatsoever? Why'd you come here? That's a good line. Why did you come here? I don't want this no more. You say this now? <laughs> why did you want it a week ago? Now you don't. Yeah, that's true. The intention of the scene is good, and I like a lot about that scene. 
I'm going to nitpick a lot about this movie. I love this movie. Oh, me as, too. As yeah. we both do. There's a lot that you can pick at, not just because of its age, because of the way it's made. And it's important, too, that Rocky and Adrian, I don't think in any of the movies, are racist or sexist. And we've talked about this in other Rocky movies. There's no bad language. There's no drugs. And until right. the fifth one, there's no corruption with management until that Don King guy, basically... Richard Gant, I think is his name, Don, only in Don America, King. but he's playing Don King. Yeah. Until that point, there's no corruption. So these movies have never been true to boxing anyway. And also the fact that these guys can take so much punishment and keep on going, no matter he's, how he's, hard Rocky's head is. He's a brick hit house, man. <laughs> is he ever? But again, I think that goes back to how much you enjoy this movie is what you're hoping to get out of it. And if it's a realistic biographic depiction of the then sport, go away. Go away. <laughs> but anyway, it's Talia Shire's best opportunity to act in this movie. But there's something about it that strikes me as a little bit weird. And part of it, I think, is Stallone's acting. I'm scared, okay? But part of it is also... I'm afraid. That's the line. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. She asks, what are you afraid of? And he says, I didn't have to be scared before because I didn't have anything. Now I've got you. Now I've got the kids. Her response is basically, what have we got to lose anyway? The money, the house? And I'm like, no, he just told you. He's got you and he's got the children. He wants to be there for you. Mm. He just told you. It's not the house. It's not even that stuff. <laughs> and then basically it goes back and forth a little bit and she sort of wins him over. What like, are the five things she says he shouldn't be fighting for? The five things Oh, she this says. would be a great trivia question. Oh, okay. Listeners, okay. think it over before he says anything. You're talking about where she's talking about... Do it about for you. Just the, you alone. The, she the ends by saying that. public perception. Do it just for you alone. What are the five things he shouldn't be fighting for? Being worried about being a coward is, I think... No, nope. no. Nope. Not that? That's not what you're talking about? Not for the people. Not for the guilt over Mickey. Not for oh. the title, not for money or me. As if she's any oh. kind of factor this time. She was in the previous movies. I don't know if it's the same scene, but in the movie where she also says, you're so worried about people will think you're running away. But I wouldn't have remembered that anyway. But you're right. That's a good <laughs> question. You've got to be a Brocky buff to pull that. Like, you know why I know that out. scene so well? People have talked about this, and I saw this on Twitter recently. What's a movie you know from television? So there's an ad break that yeah. when you see a movie on DVD or streaming, Blu-ray, what have you, and it isn't there, it feels weird to you. This is a great example of that because we started recording this movie off TV, I guess it was, right around the time when it's Apollo and Duke watching the fight, got to put him away early, which, of course, Rocky does in the third round. This is one of the few Rocky movies that doesn't have a 15-round fight. Right. He loses in two rounds, gets annihilated in two rounds, and then he annihilates Clubber in two rounds, sorry, three rounds. The ad break, I was remembering this movie, is when Rocky wins the foot race, illogically, against the man who's faster than he is. He wants it so bad, he suddenly has muscles and talent he didn't have as a runner. Although, as we said in the previous Rocky podcasts... He looks very fast, Stallone does, but he oh wins this race. And then that da 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 and the bell sound. Every time I ever saw this movie before, it was with an ad break. So because I saw, what is that? Maybe half the movie is all we had on tape, but we watched that over <laughs> and over again. I have seen the scene on the beach so many times. And as I've also said in previous Rocky podcasts, every single movie, the first five anyway, he had to have affirmation from Adrian. Maybe not yes. so much Rocky Five. But every other one, she had to just be there for him and be his girlfriend in the first one. The second one, it had to be win and then he finally starts training and he beats apollo the second time and you know how i feel about that he shouldn't have beat him and this one it's the scene of the beach and the fourth one she goes to russia i'm here no matter what no matter what no matter what the fifth one she doesn't really so much back him up except she shows up at the street fight yeah and he beats tommy so with her not being alive in rocky balboa i never thought he could possibly fight but then he has a new girlfriend and maybe that's why he's able to get through rocky balboa his last ever fighting match <laughs> Fighting match. Fighting match. match. It's like a pugilistic. This uh, is a sports movie podcast. I know nothing about sports, apparently. This is also the last time Rocky ever fights for the title. That's true. That we see. Maybe he fought for the title between three and four, but I don't think so, because the beginning of four, like most movies, picks up where the other one left off. He comes back from the fight at the end of this movie, has a black eye, 
because he had that friendly fight with Apollo. And then Apollo sees the Russian thing, fights him. So presumably Rocky didn't have another title match. Why didn't somebody, maybe they tried to, ever have a Clubber-Rocky rubber match? Just like you never had a Rocky-Apollo rubber match. The money would have been huge, but Apollo had to retire because he was just done after the Rocky match. Although he's in such incredible shape, Carl Weathers is. And of course, Stallone was even better shape than ever in this movie. God, does he look incredible, as does Weathers, as does Mr. T. But why wasn't there a Rocky-Clubber third match? Because Apollo even says in this, I don't mind large numbers. That would have been even bigger than the fight that Rocky won in this movie would have been. But I guess there's no time because, of course, the Russia thing and Rocky gives up the title and then never really actually fights again because he has a street fight with Tommy. But that's not a real fight. It's not a sanctioned boxing match. (laughs) No, I would hope not. So it's the last time he ever fights for the title when he beats Clubber. And he's 34-ish, which is funny, too, because Apollo says, you're way too young to retire. That long to his career, yes, he was a nobody, but he still was a professional boxer. He had a lot of fights under his belt. Yes, and then he, of course, beat Apollo twice. Sorry, he fought Apollo twice and beat him once for the title. All those soup cans, 10 title defenses, right. Then he loses to Clubber and he beats Clubber. He'd had dozens and dozens of fights, so he's not that young. But I can understand why he'd want to give it up, and he probably should have. There's a lot of fighters. Floyd Mayweather might be the most recent good example of this. I know he's come out of retirement after quote-unquote retiring for some quasi-exhibition fights, but he was pushing 40 when he ultimately retired, or around there anyway. So it wouldn't have been unheard of to keep going. But enough was enough for him, I guess. Yeah, and enough is enough for Rocky. But the Apollo Creed thing is the one that never really made much sense to me after losing to Rocky, because like as you point out, for a man of his intelligence, it's very hard for him to accept that he lost by one second in that bout. You're right, he says to Rocky... You're too young to retire at 34, whatever he's meant to be. Carl Weathers is younger than Stallone is, so I don't know how old Apollo is intended to be in this movie. I think older than Rocky is. In that final little fight they have at the end of this movie, he says age before beauty, right? Implying that Apollo is meant to be older than Rocky is. But in reality, Carl Weathers is a couple years younger than he is. And Apollo does come out of retirement to fight Yvonne Drago. And like you said, he looks incredible in all of the movies. He looks like he's chiseled from granite. But even better in this and in Rocky IV than he did in the first two, which is really saying something. So it's a little strange to me that Apollo flat out retired. I think if you remake the franchise from the get-go in a modern era, he doesn't just straight out retire. Because the other thing that is not really spoken about in these movies is the time frame. Rocky and Rocky II are both meant to take place in 1976. And this is meant to be three years after that. In the universe of Rocky, this is meant to be 1979, although I know one of the publicized bloopers about this is when there's a newspaper article flashed on screen, it does say 1982 when it's supposed to be 19... It's like a whole thing. I tried, Chris. I was writing and directing. I couldn't do continuity, too. (laughs) Couldn't do continuity, too. I'm not props. That's their problem. But... Like you said, immediately after Rocky Three, it basically flows directly into Rocky Four, and then Apollo comes out of retirement. There's that whole thing. So you basically got like a three-year time frame here. And I think if you were going to remake this now, you'd probably have Apollo go through kind of the Rocky Three arc in the background of things, in the background of the franchise. He'd be going back to basics, back to his grassroots, trying to recapture that hunger and make another title shot run. Maybe that gets sidetracked because of what happens in Rocky Three and in Rocky Four, but that's what he's been doing rather than just being flat out retired. Because to have been retired for a couple of years and then look this incredible and this good in the ring against Rocky and like all of that makes a little less sense. Anyway, nitpicky stuff, right? We should nitpick. It's fun to nitpick these movies. By the way, you're about to take a sip out of uh, tea, is it you said? 
You're not drinking beer tonight. A decaffeinated green tea. I was so inspired by Stallone and Weather's incredible physiques. And, no, you said Mr. T. Incredible physiques in this movie. They're not yet. drinking much booze. <laughs> no. No, they are on a flat-out zero-carb regimen, I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, I am tonight because it's my first day off. Yeah. My and chair is creaking, but I'm drinking, of course, the traditional CC and diet. One of the things that has always driven me a little bit crazy about this movie, right from the first time I saw it, this came out in 82, and I didn't see it for the first time until I was probably 10, 11, 12 years old on VHS in the 90s, right? I could never understand why Rocky was so annihilated by Clubber Lang, or at least so ragged on by Mickey about his lack of training. Between Rocky II and Rocky III, this guy just got shredded. Just incredible shape. Rocky's conditioning is incredible, but he's not taking it seriously. He's not studying Clubber, which we don't really see much of in the training with Apollo, but we do see Apollo and Duke looking at film, at least. Maybe that's the point. We'll show it one time. We'll show it yeah. once, and then they'll realize we're actually studying this time. But the biggest issue of all, I think Rocky would have lost to Clubber in the first place, because Clubber is so hungry and so angry and hits so hard. He, at that point, is just better than Rocky. But Rocky loses the focus for good reason, because mm -hmm. Mickey is wiped out and is in bad shape. Rocky can't know he's about to die, but he's definitely worried about him. Before the fight's even starting, during the introductions, I wonder how Mickey is. Yep. He is just not focused. He's not focused. Contrary so much to the end of the movie, which is obviously deliberate on Stallone's part, to write it that way. You even hear one of the commentators say, I think it's Stu Nahan, look at those eyes. He's so focused, but he's not at all focused in that first fight. So he's in great condition, but it doesn't mean anything because he's not mentally prepared. And like in all the Rocky movies, all of them are guilty of this. All the fighters are, get your... Damn, hands up, Rock, or Clubber, or Apollo, or Drago, or everybody. They love their headshots. What do you want? They take so many, they shouldn't have to take. That is not something I really thought about until I was watching the movie again recently just for this discussion. But it did occur to me, that exact point. Because, again, I'm thinking about if I were to remake the same movie, or maybe even try to recut it in the way that Rocky Four was recut, mm -hmm. what changes might I want to make as a director? You can have Mick be sick, and maybe even Mick having to be taken away from ringside in the middle of the fight because he has a heart attack or something, so Rocky starts getting worried about him, but already having been pushed around by Clubber at that point, maybe that's what leads to Mick's heart attack. But the fact that... They he, do set it up, though. During the Thunderlips fight, Al Sabani at one point, what, you okay? My heart. I know, but we're meant to believe that Rocky has gone from this point of just being this content champion, living the high life. He got civilized. He got civilized. He got feathered hair. <laughs> Boy, that hair, man. It's spectacular. So are the suits. Oh, my God. The yeah. suits. They're so good. You talked about the platform heels. Yeah, because when he's leaning down to kiss his kid goodbye. <laughs> Those things are like four they inches. Are They're wild. So tall. But anyway, we're meant to like be in awe about how much tougher and better he is the second time he fights Clubber. But to me, watching it this time, it was undercut by the notion that we know he didn't even want to go in the ring for the first fight. I don't know what to do, right? And Mick has to tell him, go in the ring. But if you're Mick, you know that if you're not focused, especially after he's already told Rocky, this guy's a killer. Mm -hmm. If you're going in there worried about your good friend and trainer, you're just going to get destroyed that much more. So the fact that he went to that first fight clearly distracted, his head's not in the game, he's not thinking about the guy that's already likely going to destroy him. It kind of undercuts how devastating Clubber is in the first fight, because you can make the argument, if Rocky's not worried about Mick, maybe he does better. Maybe he doesn't win, but maybe he goes the 15 rounds or something. Probably not. But I think both from the perspective of seeing how great the journey is that he undertakes with Apollo, but also setting Clubber up as this ultimately fearsome dude, that whole arc with Mickey undercuts it. And that's why I think if you push that arc back just a little bit, maybe it's Rocky getting knocked out. Maybe he knows that Mickey's not well. 
not like on death's door, not well, but he's not well overall. And then he gets knocked out by Clubber. And that's the thing that drives Mickey over the edge. And he has the heart attack ringside. Then maybe it's like a twofer because Clubber seems like a literal killer at that point. Almost in the way that... He'll kill you to death inside of three rounds, which is what happens. Yeah, except in that case, it's Mickey that gets killed to death inside of three rounds. Rocky's got that added incentive, and you don't have the argument to make that he was distracted during the fight. No excuses, as Adrian says. That's right. And I think part of what makes Drago so fearsome in the fourth Rocky is just the way he annihilates Apollo. There's no excuses, right? Apollo is so focused that he's screaming at Rocky, don't throw in that towel. I do have the question, though. If they had postponed, would the crowd riot? World Heavyweight Championship match, the number one contender against the heavyweight champion of the world that they all love. Wherever he goes, it's not just Philly now. I don't remember where that fight is. The end is in Madison Square Garden. I love that ring announcer. He's my favorite ring announcer. The other guy with the heavyweight champion of the world. He's fun, too. And, of course, the guy with the mustache who did the paintings you see. You see one of them in this movie. And you see the one at the... Well, we see the painting on the wall in the Creed films of the two of them fighting. Because that's when Donnie asks Rocky... Who won that fight? He did. Meaning the one we see at the end of this movie. Maybe he was just being nice to Apollo's son to say, you did. But when he comes back at the beginning of four and says to his his own son, I was in a fight and that kind of thing has a black eye, but Rocky gets annihilated in every fight he has. So if they had an actual fight, even if they're friends, he should look worse than he did. But that means that Apollo won the rubber match that no one saw. So if they do cancel that fight that night, do the people riot? What happens? Good reason or not, and that is a good reason. My manager is dying, and he didn't know he was dying, but whatever that was, and I'm an hour later, the man's dead on the slab. And you know what? I've seen this movie so many times, I dropped a little tears of the eyeballs that night when I watched <laughs> I this movie. dropped a little tears of the eyeballs. If you came out. Stallone, we've said it a lot of times because we've covered him so many times in these Rocky films. We've done him four times. He and Carl Weathers, because Weathers has been in three Rocky movies, Stallone in four, because Stallone was in Creed and Weathers wasn't, but Weathers is in Happy Gilmore. These two guys are catching people like Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner on the list of people we've covered the most. Yeah, they are. But that might be one of his best performances. You've heard me say it before. Rocky II. I gotta be around him, Mick. My favorite scene that Sloan's ever played, even though he's incredible in the Creed film that should have won him the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. He's got so many great scenes, but my absolute favorite scene is Rocky II when he just says to Mick, I'll slap water because I want to be around it. But in this movie, when he's crying over Mick, he blames himself. I never really got that when I saw this movie when I was younger, partly because I didn't tape the part where he lost the fight. I didn't know why he says on the beach to Adrian, Mickey's dead because I lied. That's why he's dead. I guess because he means he said he won. But then you see Mick crying a little bit in the profile shot before he actually turns and sees Rocky's face. But Mick has to know already when Rocky comes back, it's over. Who won? I did. I think he says I did. But he, he at least, okay, there we go. He at least implies, I guess he said it. But then when Mickey turns, the last thing he ever sees in his life is his virtual son, his second son, whatever you want to call him. Maybe his only son anyway. He never talked about a family. Nobody's at his funeral other than Al and the family, the Balboa right. family. So his effective son, the last thing he ever sees is his face being caved in and he has to know he lost. And then Rocky's blaming himself for lying. As if that really mattered because... It's not like Mick's heart was going to just be rejuvenated if Rocky came back and did win in two rounds. Yeah, that is one of the things that I think holds up and works really well is the guilt trip. These are the things I never noticed when I was younger. But as you watch this movie when you're older, you realize there's actually some intelligent screenwriting, subtle stuff going on. Stallone's a better writer in all these movies than he was ever given credit for. Oh, yeah. The first one, he got the Oscar nomination and people said a lot of things. William Goldman, the legendary screenwriter, said Rocky's a great screenplay. So he's got enough credibility that people should listen to him about that. But a lot of the screenplays are really good. We talked about Rocky 2 and Rocky 4. When we did them. Okay, Rocky 4, no. But this one and Rocky 2 have some good stuff in them. 
Oh, absolutely. And certainly the Creed films, which Stallone had a hand in writing, but he didn't write them by himself like he did right. these other ones. That scene where Mick is dying on the table and then later at the funeral even, that guts me every time I watch it. The bellowing that Stallone's doing. And they, <gasps> they replay that. That's like a sound they play over some of the stuff that happens later. When he's, when he's training, Gruesomely haunting sounds. It's so good because you can see how that would be a human reaction. You want to be truthful and comforting to this loved one who's dying. You don't want to tell them, yeah, I just got my head caved in and I lost in two rounds. But Mick either knows from what he could hear or from what he can see in Rocky's face and how quickly it happened that, yeah, you didn't beat this guy in two rounds looking like that. There is that sort of tear running down his cheek, Mm -hmm. probably from seeing, like you said, his virtual son just get battered that way. And then later in the movie, when Rocky is having the struggle, the reason I like that so much is because you're right, it's illogical to think that Mick would have cared at all about Rocky lying in that moment. I'm sure if Mick could think about it at all, if he cared to, he would realize that he's trying to save my feelings this moment. It's It's a nice gesture. It's a nice gesture. Why I like it so much is because the whole thing with Rocky, aside from the physical training and trying to revamp your style, it's supposed to be that mental recapturing of his desire. The eye of the tiger. Exactly. That's right. The eye of the tiger. And it would have been too easy if he just went from, okay, I got my head caved in and now I want it, so I'm going to get hard Which again. is what happens, well, he doesn't get hurt, but that's what happens in Rocky Four. Rocky Four, you can understand it a little bit more because of the campiness of it. You can his friend it. was murdered, effectively. His friend was murdered As opposed to an accidental face. accident. An accidental accident. But Clubber <laughs> didn't mean to hurt or kill Mickey. No, not directly. Of course not. So this time around, in order to make this kind of believable, he goes out to L.A. to train with Apollo, and fine, I've got this drive back. But really, he's accepted this rematch out of pride and anger, right? And this is what Adrian confronts him about on the beach later. But he's not really the same guy he was when he was younger. He doesn't have that drive. And so part of the genius of it is he has to confront not just what he's saying he's doing to everyone else, but really the demons inside. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those demons are illogical. I personally think it's logical for him to be scared about being physically battered or beaten down because of losing his family or his ability to be around his kids and stuff like that. Kids? But, well, kid. Yeah, sorry. Though he has I guess Polly's a kid. <laughs> Polly is a dependent at the very least. Let's say you that. keep saying, you've said at least twice now, kids. I think you're right. Polly is effectively their kid. <laughs> He's, Can I have a job? I'll knock your block. I will punch at you. I'll try to hit you. All you have to do is ask. Yeah. Can I have a job? <laughs> That's okay, amazing. there you go. He's got two boys, two yeah. sons. He really does. Our inner monologue isn't always logical as human beings. We often blame ourselves for doing things that nobody else would blame us for. He blames himself for lying to Mick, and in his mind, maybe that was the final blow that pushed Mick over the edge and caused him to die. Nobody else would think that, including Mick himself, but this is one of the things that Rocky was blaming himself for, and he has to overcome in order to really get back to that mental focus that he needs to win. Yeah, that scene in the garage with Polly is wild to me. Hard left, back to what you were saying. When Polly's wildly swinging at his shoulders... Rocky's going to boxing stands, blocking him. And- <laughs> He's working so hard. Paulie's effectively going like, oh, and windmilling his arms, and Rocky's full on. I'll break your mouth. He's working so hard. I'm like, oh, Rocky, chill out. What's Paulie going to do to you? And he's doing it in four-inch heels, too, which is all the more Is impressive. he wearing them there? I he's didn't notice it. There. I only noticed it when he was saying goodbye to his son. That's why I had to put it in the intro. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing about this movie that's also impressive that I really picked up on this time not that there's anything wrong with Rocky's form in the garage against a drunk brother-in-law. He's not trying to hit him. He never even came close to swinging at him. But you see the transformation when Apollo trains him. It's about, not even half the movie, actually, after Mickey has died and then Rocky is mourning and Apollo comes to challenge him and say, we can do this together, right. which is a cool touch. The rival in the previous movie is now working with you. Other movies have probably done that lots of times over. Maybe not that many times before this one came out 40 years ago. But here's the guy who is his physical equal, better than him. Rocky always knew that. Rocky's talked about that in other movies where he's better than me. 
but he's going to train me. Apollo and Duke, too, deserve some kind of medal. A Nobel Peace Prize, a Pulitzer, an Oscar or something for how much they change Rocky. He yeah. loses 10 pounds, which is not nothing. How much do you think he eats? 202 About 202 pounds. pounds. <laughs> weighing 202 pounds. Then That's when Rocky fights Clubber, he's 201 pounds. But then when he fights Clubber at the end, he's 191 pounds. So he's lost 10 pounds. Oh, yeah, he's so much faster. And he's got Apollo's style. That one, you keep seeing him work on. So Apollo changes him into, as Polly says, a black fighter. He's got so much more style, rhythm, and speed. That was a big thing in two. We need speed. We need demon speed. Lightning fast speed. And he catches the chicken. Lightning fast Italian tank. I love saying that, yeah. Mickey trains him to be faster in the second movie, but logically in this movie, after he's trained with Apollo, he's that much better. It makes you wonder if Rocky had been working with Apollo, because he was fighting Apollo, it doesn't really make sense, I guess, but or working with Duke, maybe, all that time. As good as he was with Mickey becoming the champion somehow, but if he'd been trained with Apollo and Duke or that mentality of fighter, how much better would he have been? Because look how much better he is in this movie. Right down at the end in that third round when he's played Rope-A-Dope, I know I've said this in the other Rocky podcasts, that he doesn't even tell Apollo he's going to do it. What the hell are you doing? I know what I'm doing. Why aren't you telling your manager you're going to play Rope-A-Dope, basically, and psych him out? But then when he is just relentlessly assaulting Clubber at the end, boo, 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 boo. Where are the referees in these Rocky movies? Apollo, not Apollo, Clubber is done. He can't defend himself anymore, but you have to have that... Da-da, da-da, Final blow, man. Da-da, Even though Clubber is already beaten. Well, forget about when Clubber's done. How about when Clubber physically picks up Rocky and heaves him back into the corner and starts beating on him? Where's the ref there? Yeah, that's not legal. Well, also, Clubber and Thunderlips, and that was a charity match, granted, yeah. throw referees around. Thunderlips also throws cops and punches cops. Those things are all illegal. We also see Drago do it in the fourth movie, I think, with the referees. So there's a lot of reasons yeah. that Rocky's opponents have been disqualified long before they ever are. Well, they aren't disqualified. Thunderlips match doesn't matter so much. Okay, let's go back to that near the beginning of the film. Well, before we do, let me just, to your point about Rocky and how good he could have been. Okay, yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think there's a few elements to that. that with respect to Mickey being a good trainer, Apollo would have been a better trainer all that time. Oh, yeah. I know other movies have done this from foe to friend kind of thing, yeah. but I'd really like the way this franchise does it because in Rocky 1, they're just straight up rivals. In Rocky 2, Apollo doesn't like Rocky and doesn't like all the- Plays the bad guy. Plays the bad guy. Rocky has an admiration for Apollo. He doesn't have any ill will until he gets called out. But by the end of it, there's that grudging admiration between the two of them, right? Well, not that grudging. Apollo holds his hand up. Good luck. Apollo likes- Did you give me your best at the end of 1 and all that stuff? Or the beginning of 2. Two, the, we talked about that in Rocky 2. That's one of the better scenes in the whole series, too. Apollo, it's Rocky. Did you give me your best? Yeah. Apollo could have lied to him. He said, no. No. You're a club fighter, and you almost beat me, which yeah. is the only reason why Rocky probably would say in Rocky 2, let me try this again. I almost had it. Yeah. And you have this gradual evolution from foe to, like, grudging admiration for each other, even if they're still rivals, to, okay, well, now Apollo's out of the fighting game at this point, so... This makes a little bit of sense as to why he would come in, not so much just for Rocky, but because he doesn't like the way Clubber's... He's got to be around it. Well, he's got to be around it. Got to be around it, Mick. There's a respect there for Mick as well, to be honest with you. I think that's an understated thing. But also, he doesn't like the way Clubber represents the sport. So he's got reasons to be here. And then, of course, that evolves into a friendship. And on you go into Rocky Four and all Apparently, that. Weathers and Mr. T had real animosity as well. I heard which that, I also yeah. read about Weathers and... Lundgren in Rocky Four. I read that as well. Which <laughs> maybe is Weathers is the problem. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, maybe you're the problem here, eh? <laughs> There's a couple of different points in this movie where you hear people talk about 
how Rocky is actually a fine champ, but not a good fighter. He just won by sheer will. Nobody's wanted it more. And I think the announcers say that before his first bout with Clubber. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, Carl Weathers' great line with Stallion, you fight great, but I'm a great fighter. Because yeah. he's legitimately a better fighter. It's just the will of the champion that has always gotten Rocky. And one through. of the nice touches in all this series is that Rocky never denied that. He always loved Apollo. Yeah. Well, he didn't always love Apollo. He always respected Apollo. When he puts the title belt on the grave, is that suggesting there that he's giving it up? Yes. As if he's literally going to let it be buried with Apollo. I don't know if that's what that means exactly. But he says in the eulogy, which is also extended in the recut of Rocky IV, oh, and it's an even better eulogy. It's fine in the original version. It's very brief, but it's fine. But Rocky knows, I beat him, but I shouldn't have. He was always better than me. Yeah. So the one where Mickey dies and Rocky got boring, Rocky's not actually boring in this, but compared to the first two, his personality's just gone. There's some stuff yeah. with his kid in the beginning, whereby Goldilocks took the porridge, wherever it was he's talking about the Goldilocks story. But otherwise, he's so corporate and dull. The whole thing with the ceremony with the statue, he looks at it like he's stunned. The thing of beauty. Mick and Adrian are marveling at it. Rocky's almost like, what is that thing? How do you not know? Maybe they didn't show it to him beforehand, I guess. I think it was supposed to be a surprise, but it's still, yeah. It's his, his like he's annoyed. He's going for a statue dedication, and it's almost like, what is that thing? Yeah. You saw it draped. You it's know why true. you're there. <laughs> you said we were going out for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I got all gussied up here. The sister doesn't look half bad as her brother said. Before we left, what's going on here? That actual statue stayed in Philly for many years. The Museum of Modern three Art. Of them? I think they made three for the movie. They actually created a stunt statue. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I don't know, but I heard it took them a long time to make that thing. It's well detailed. It does look like Stallone. It's copper. It's okay. like legit metal statue. So that thing stayed in Philly for real for many years. Yeah. The museum didn't want it because they didn't think it was actual art. It was a movie prop, although that can be art. It was in front of the Philadelphia Spectrum because one time when The Rock came yeah, back was, to wrestling, yeah. they were in Philly. And I don't know if they'd announced he was there. Maybe they did. But the first time they showed him that night, he's down by the Rocky statue. And the audience went ballistic when they see Rock in front of the Rocky <laughs> statue. And, of course, the steps where it was is one of the most iconic things in this whole series. We yeah. see the steps in almost every one of the movies, including the end of the first Creed, which is, how's the view from here? Not too bad at all. So it was released by United Artists 40 years ago on May 28th, 1982. Another hit in this 56-year-old franchise. That can't be right. 46? I thought I'd double-check that. <laughs> Sorry, 46. That's still a long time. That's still a long time. 46 yeah, yeah. years old. Dumbass. In fact, it was such a blockbuster that it remains 168th on Box Office Mojo's top 200 adjusted for inflation. Rocky, the first one's on there. I think it's higher. I'm pretty sure it is. Another Stallone sequel, Rambo First Blood Part Two, is right behind this, something like a million dollars less really? than Rocky Three. And one of the more impressive things about this being so high on the adjusted for inflation list is that it wasn't ever really released truly why the way movies were even then. E.T. that same year would have got this blockbuster everywhere release because, of course, Jaws started that about seven years before. This didn't get the massive release at any point. And it obviously lasted for a long time. When movies could do that more often, they played in theaters for a lot longer. But 168th is pretty impressive for a movie this old. The critics thought it was fine. 65% gave it a thumbs up. 5.6 out of 10, though. Again, one of those things where Wikipedia tells you the average and then Rotten Tomatoes tells you the number and they don't really balance. But anyway... 40 reviews on there, and 74% of audiences. It was fourth in 82. E.T. was number one, of course. Yeah. But Six Pack, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I remember seeing that as a kid. Never heard Kenny of Rogers, as in The Singer, did a movie where he's a <laughs> race car driver, so a sports movie, was 40th. Personal Best, we should probably cover that maybe later this year. Mario Hemingway, and I forget the other woman, in a track and field movie, I believe, 
Robert Town, who did Without Limits, I believe directed that. I'm still stuck on Kenny Rogers as a race car driver. I know. So. <laughs> I think everyone else was back then, too. That was 92nd, by the way. Personal best was. And Sly's First Blood. So I talked about how the sequel on Box Office Mojo all time. But Sly's first movie in this series, First Blood, was 13th. So he had a big year in 82. Yeah. As he did in 85 with Rocky IV and First Blood Part Two. This movie was nominated for one Oscar. Best song. The most famous song from the whole series. Well, Gonna Fly Now is. But Eye of the Tiger is... Certainly way up there, too, when it comes to fame. Is this the first time that appears in the series? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was supposed to be, according to what I read online, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen, which would have fit, too, because that, that is in the montage of when Rocky is beating everybody. And at the end, you hear Eye of the Tiger again, and Another One Bites the Dust, meaning, I guess, clever. But then it's also the freeze frame of the two guys punching each other. So mm-hmm. maybe the suggestion is then that Rocky beat Apollo in that friendly fight. I don't know. I don't know that that song's better anyway. I think Eye of the Tiger is a better tune. It actually was also maybe going to be a song called You're the Best that's in The Karate Kid a couple years later by John Avildsen, who directed the first Rocky and the fifth Rocky. And that plays during a montage, montage in Karate Kid movies, montage in all the Rocky movies, when Daniel's winning all kinds of fights. Yeah. You're the best around. Which would fit this too. But Eye of the Tiger is better. Apollo says it more than once in this movie, so it's actually in the dialogue. The song that won the Oscar for Best Song that year, it's a good one, is Up Where We Belong from an Officer and a Gentleman. That love lift us up oh, where yeah. we belong. Really good tune, fits that. But I, the Tiger, I think if you were to revote, it would probably win. And one more award thing, Mr. T was nominated for a Razzie for Worst New Superstar. The eyebrow went up on Chris over there. unfair. Exactly, because the intensity alone, he does mangle some lines. He's pretty new to acting at this point. He didn't act much in his entire career in movies. Of course, the A-team was around the same point. This is the first time he ever said, I pity the fool, in fact. He had never said that before, apparently, on A-team or anything else he'd ever done. He had said that during an interview, I think, for some sort of reality TV show from the 80s he was on. A reality show back then? Something like America's Toughest Bouncers or something. Like, oh, which he was, yeah, right. Which he was, and I think he was interviewed either on that show or subsequently, and he was asked a question about somebody. He didn't say, I pity the fool, but he said, I pity something. And that was the genesis of the, I pity the fool line, as they okay. saw that. Like, oh, that's a good line. He should say that in the movie. No, I don't hate my boy. I pity the fool. It's I will destroy it's, them. It's a good line. One of the rest of that line. How could they razzie him for this stuff? It's not the best performance of all time, but the intensity alone makes him effective in the role. He's got a lot of charisma, too. It's yeah. different, too, because, of course, you've got the same opponent the first two films because you've got a rematch situation, and that made sense. But there's such different actors. Carl Weathers, Mr. T, Dolph Lundgren, and the first four films are so different. Mr. T looks like a fighter. He acts like a fighter. He looks like he's actually legitimately angry all the time. He's very sweaty all the time. I right. Know that. Does some powerful training. <clears throat> okay. He, <clears throat> he would <throat> be the guy who annoys everybody at a gym all the time. Well, that's true. He cannot do a single rep of anything without... <clears throat> but he trains alone, Chris. Maybe because he's not wanted anywhere at that point. Shut up, man. We never see anybody with him when he's training. We don't see a ton of him training the way we do in Rocky Four, where so much of it is training. Drago's got all kinds of people around him. And I guess that's the reverse, because in Rocky Four, Rocky's mostly alone with his training. He's got his little entourage of three other people, but Drago's surrounded by people. And this movie's the other way around. Rocky's surrounded by people, not taking it seriously, despite being in incredible shape. And Clubber is always by himself. Not even the manager. You wear him down. He's all ours. In the second fight, we don't see him at all, except for, well, I guess probably he's the manager in the first fight they have. He has that little bit of dialogue in the second fight, but we do not see him with Clubber otherwise. No, basically not. He is solo. 
He doesn't say a lot of consequence aside from taunting Rocky either directly so or better the taunts though in the they're good whole taunts. series. No, they're good taunts, but we don't get a ton of obviously character development out of this guy. But one of the things I appreciate about the character generally is if you're setting him up to be a wrecking ball of a fighter, right? This movie predates Mike Tyson, but he is effectively a bigger Mike Tyson. Very good. I like it. One of the reasons it comes to mind is I was listening to a podcast recently, not at all to do with this, but to do with just sports generally. And one of the people was talking about how they always appreciate athletes who aren't bombastic, don't announce themselves loudly. They don't have like a big coming out party when they come out of the gangway into the ring or something. And apparently Mike Tyson, he was like that when he was younger. There wouldn't be a bombastic entrance. He would come in quietly and then just annihilate his opponent, speak softly and carry a big stick kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And Clubber Lang's if you leave him alone anyway, that's kind of what he's like. Right? He comes in by himself. There's no big bombastic entrance. He just walks into the ring and then destroys his opponents. And the only time you ever get the bombastic guy is if you're interviewing him or you're bugging him. Like we see before the fight when he's just trying to be alone and quiet. And Risking hurting his hands by smashing those cameras and he's lights, by the way. He's not a smart man. Yeah. He maybe would have had to postpone the rematch because he can't fight because he's cut and bleeding in his wrists and hands. <laughs> yeah. You idiot. Yeah, that was not the smartest thing to do immediately before you're supposed to go in the ring, but okay. I will destroy any camera that tries to take what I got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were going to talk about Thunderlips. Right, yes. And so pro wrestling is becoming a big thing at this point. Now, granted, this is still early in that transition, but it's becoming a big thing. And Hulk Hogan, I think he got fired specifically he for did. doing this movie. Vince McMahon Sr. Right. fired him. But that is one of the things that's very 80s-ish kitsch that's hard not to love. Whatever your feelings might be about Hulk Hogan, because we've learned a lot about him in recent decades, the character in this movie is still fun. And I kind of like the naivete of Rocky going into it, how he's become a civilized corporate dude. It's right? for charity. It's for charity. Let's have a little fun, right? And then, of course... Bob Hope would do it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Part of what I love about Burgess Meredith's performance in this is he goes from gut-wrenching concern for his son. I'm calling Rocky a son for this purpose. He might like, as well be. May as well. But then he's also like this playful character at points, right? Lines like that. Bob Hope would. That's true. And then at like various points in the background, if you watch Burgess Meredith, he's having fun at various points when it's suitable. A very subtle performance by a very experienced actor that I love to death. But the Thunderlips thing is just silly, but it really goes to the corporatization of Rocky. And it goes to the raw strength of the character. And I think this is one of the subtle ways that Maybe Subtle's pushing it a little bit, but it's one of the ways that the movie's trying to set up how powerful and tough Clubber is. Rocky is able to be literally thrown around by this enormous giant of a man. The announcer calls him nearly seven feet Mm. and I think 400 pounds, Mm. which is an exaggeration, but I get what they're trying to do by playing up the size of Thunderlips so that Stallone doesn't look quite as small by comparison, right? Because Stallone is quite short. And when they show them face-to-face, he comes up to Hogan's nipples. Yeah. He, so that means if he's tiny. seven feet, then Stallone can be more like six one, maybe. Yeah, I think Stallone's... But he's not. In reality, he's about 5'10", 5'9", something like that. So he's not a tiny guy by any stretch. Part of the problem is a lot of the actors he plays against in these movies, including Mr. T, including Carl Weathers, and certainly including Dolph Lundgren. And Hogan. Well, Hogan's an extreme Just completely example. a tower over them. They're huge dudes. They're all like 6'2", and taller, and just big, muscular men. Yeah. So they make Stallone look smaller by comparison. They're trying to set him up to be Clubber, that is, a terrifying opponent by showing how much he demolishes Rocky. And this is after Rocky gets punished by Thunderlips and then physically picks up a guy that we're just told is 400 pounds and throws him out of the ring. And that's the end of the match. And that's the end it's of the a match. draw. <laughs> it's a draw. They fight, quote unquote, fight for 
five minutes, maybe less, yeah. and then it's over. I mentioned earlier about a riot. What would people do if they had postponed the fight because Mick was oh, they, hurt? Did would you say that took place at the Garden, by the way, or was it in Philly? The final fight does, because you hear that announcer, my favorite ring announcer, and there's so many good ring announcers in the series, but the Madison Square Garden, right? the Italian Stallion, well, he even says that. He does say it's MSG, plus they show the MSG facade in the, the final fight yeah, the, the first fight do they tell us where it takes where place it fights clubber i don't recall the one against hogan i believe is vegas isn't it i think that is vegas they it shot might... some of the movie in vegas that must be yeah that makes sense i just always for some reason assumed that the first fight against clubber was taking place in philly maybe that's just because i assume well rocky's the champ he would specify i'm going to do it in philly if the fight is canceled regardless of how good the reason is and they're in philly yeah, maybe they ride. <laughs> They're the ones that boot Santa Claus, as the yeah. long timeline goes. But then the match against Thunderlips, as I say, lasts five minutes, and that's it. So are the fans happy with what they got? I hope there was, like, an opening act or something else going on. Well, there always is in these things. Because you think about a boxing match, the headlining match, or even a wrestling card. Yes, the headlining match is Stone Cold Steve Austin against The Rock, or yeah. it's Clubber Lang and Rocky Balboa. But you have a lot of other things. It's like the circus. It's funny they bring up the circus in this movie. What are you going to do? Maybe join the circus. That's what boxing, wrestling, these kinds of things are. You have to have all kinds of other things. Even, I guess, MMA. It's not just one thing. It's not you go to see the Yankees and Red Sox play, but it's not four other baseball games before that. It's one game. In these kinds of things, these combat sports, maybe not always, but usually it's multiple other things, and then the main event. But I just wondered about that. What would the fans do? And also so much happens (laughs) because Thunderlips is punching cops. And yeah, it's all part of the show. How does he put it again? That's the name of the game. That's what he says. Oh, that's the name of the game. Yeah, Hogan has acted lots of times. This might be, I think it is, the best thing he ever did as an actor. He's so convincing in the way that Stallone wrote him. And, of course, he's so big anyway. The ultimate male and all this stuff. And Hogan looked pretty good. By the way, this movie, as all of the Rocky movies are, is not scorable because they're also chaste. Right. But you do have good-looking people in this. Talia Shire never looked better than she did in this movie. Maybe that's money. You could argue that's what it is, that she finally has some money, so she's gussied herself up with jewels and better clothes and makeup and hair and everything. But she's very pretty in this. Not that she was ugly in the first two, but they make her look not so you good mean, in the first you one. You mean Adrian, the character. Yeah, Talia Shire. Well, yes, okay, the character, yeah. So it's not like Talia Shire had more money behind the scenes and things look better. <laughs> well, that would have been true, too. It's funny you say that, because she was in the first two Godfather films, right. and she's Francis Coppola's sister, and may have done other films, I don't recall. In between, probably did some other things. So she wasn't poor, I'm sure. No. But in the first Rocky in 76, even though she had the first two Godfathers behind her and her brother and her family's fame, she was making her own career. She didn't need their fame anymore, but she was not as attractive as she was six years later in this movie. Yeah, she's and lost the big glasses at this point. The knit caps and stuff like she, that are gone. She's all battered herself. If That's you will. right. <laughs> she was pretty under those glasses this whole time. Pull that bun out. <laughs> but Hogan's, what do you call them, federettes, his ladies with him. Yeah. Good looking people. Carl Weathers, a handsome man. These Rocky movies always have something for the gay guys or for the ladies that like these chiseled bodies. The first two Rocky movies, maybe not so much because they're not in the kind of shape they got in in this one and the fourth one. And of course, now in the more recent ones with Michael B. Jordan, who is yeah. just incredibly ripped. If that's not your style, fine. But if it is your style, then it's porn. But these movies are always very chaste. But anyway, as far as the Thunderlips character, it doesn't need to be in the film, but it's definitely some fun. And that's one thing this movie is missing to some degree is fun because, of course, Stallone is so mopey because of the whole thing with Mickey. And then when he's not mopey anymore and he's finally determined, well, he's still not fun because it's... That's the last time in the Stallone starring Rocky series that we really truly get. No, sorry, Rocky Balboa. But we hadn't heard it at that point 
for 24 years. The fanfare? Gonna Fly Now, of course, the first one he's running alone. The second one he's running with the kids, which I always loved, almost yeah. as much as the first, if not more. This one when he's training with Apollo and then wins the race. So always running in these first three movies. Alone, with kids, then with his former rival, now his man. Yeah, because it changes for The four. fourth one, it's, and I love Hearts on Fire. I think it's my favorite song in all of these movies. I like it more than Eye of the Tiger. I said that on Rocky Four when we did that a couple years ago. The fifth one you hear very briefly, and Stallone does have Burgess Meredith playing Mickey in that movie. Because the character's been dead for many years. But, of course, the actor was acting for a while. He was in the Grumpy Old Men movies right. years after that. But you get that really good scene. Again, there's always good scenes, even in the lesser Rocky movies. People die because they don't want to live anymore, Rock. But that's supposed to have been something that happened, I guess, leading to the first fight. But it's actually something that they shot 14 or so years later. But you do hear the, get up, because Mickey loves you. And then you barely hear the, dun, 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 as Rocky gets up to finally fight Tommy. One more road. But then you get the proper going to fly now again for the first time since this movie in that one with the Duke thing. Let's build some hurting bombs. And I think I said that one in one of the podcasts I covered with you. Now. It might be my guilty pleasure favorite of all of them because it's so corny and cheesy with Duke saying that, got to build some hurting bombs. And then yeah. the song we've all heard a hundred times, him running with Punchy the Little Dog, the glass of eggs, Polly lets him into the old mm. meat warehouse where he doesn't even work anymore. So they're better sequences in the first two or even three movies, but it's fun to come back to it in Rocky Balboa. Rocky evolves his fighting style as he progresses through the series. That's really epitomized more so than anything else by Rocky Balboa, the last movie in the sequence. Of course, Stallone at that point is in his mid to late 50s when they're filming that, so he can't be this Rocky three fast and lithe on his feet, jab, jab, jab kind of guy. So instead, he's got to be the slow-moving, bruiser, brawler, punishing fighter, and hence the, let's build some hurting bombs, right? Because mm -hmm. instead of being sculpted in 34 and just shredded, he's now 20 years older, wider, bulkier, and he's just going to go out there and punish his opponents. So it's kind of like a logical evolution of this guy throughout the sequence of movies, if you look at it from a zoomed-out perspective. Almost something that started in Rocky Three and just proceeded, maybe not so much in Rocky Five because he doesn't really do much of anything in Rocky Five except get his head caved in. In the street fight. In the street fight. But yeah, at least in Three, Four, and then Rocky Balboa, he's got to change his style, he's got to change his style, he's got to change his style to beat whoever's in front of him today. I think it was Leonard Malton said about maybe this movie, it's a good movie, but enough already. He did his book, of course, over many years, so he knew that there was other sequels to come. Maybe that's why he would say enough already. Maybe he even said it in 82, I don't know. I don't know if I fully agree. This movie does play off the same basic tropes the other one did, but we've already talked about it for about an hour here. You do have enough elements that make it worthwhile. Yes. The better fighter, the Muhammad Ali stand-in, wants to fight him because that guy wants to give somebody a shot. And then the guy who gets the shot who shouldn't have had it almost wins. But the real victory is, I uh, went the distance against Creed. And most importantly, he got his girl. He got his self-respect. He got a little bit of money. Then the second movie, and I've said this before. I've said a lot of things before. The first Rocky movie and the second Rocky movie, until the point where I guess he starts to train and then win, right around there is what Scorsese would have done. Which is this movie where the guy was on top, like in... Oh, Rock yeah. I know you don't like Raging Bull, but that's the same kind of yeah, idea. Totally. that The great way that they edit and write that movie in Raging Bull is that Jake LaMotta gets to the top, wins the championship middle heavyweight, wherever level he is, and the very next scene is him fighting with his brother about, we haven't sworn yet, so did you blank my wife? What? You know what I'm talking about. You've yep. seen Raging Bull. Okay. That would have happened immediately after that fight because he's gotten fatter. That's the point. It's been months probably, maybe even years. But in the chronology of the editing of the movie, it's right after his best moment. 
But these movies, these Rocky films, had these evolutions, this evolution as well. Rocky does evolve, maybe not for the better, because in 3 and 4, he is more boring and more corporate. He has more personality again in 5. It's almost like all the shots from Drago knock the goofy back into him, the kooky. And he's got it a lot in Rocky Balboa. The biggest thing missing from this movie in 4 is the originality, the way he would speak, the way he would string sentences together, his bad sense of humor, his loneliness. But this movie is playing off of the fact, and Stallone did this intentionally, that he had so much fame thrust upon him. One of the subtexts in this movie is that cameras are everywhere. Media is everywhere. That's why when he's training, there's so many people around. Right. His wife at the time is the one who comes up and says, can I get a kiss? That's right. Terrible yeah. performance. Makes you wonder if she didn't like him anymore. The divorce was imminent. <laughs> and she thought, can I be as bad as I could possibly be in Sly's movie and make him look bad for a second? But that's one of the subtexts of this movie. You see cameras during definitely the final fight. I don't know if you do in the first fight against Clubber, but actual film cameras. Yep. I like the note online about how... Why would there be film cameras? Well, they could be shooting a documentary. So that's why you see a focus puller. These two guys are right in front of the ring as the camera's way back. And you see somebody reaching up to pull focus. A, the average movie fan maybe doesn't know what that is. And B, even if you do, that could be a documentary. Mm-hmm. But those were the actual film cameras that were down low. So Stallone was doing something that maybe wasn't that common, using a lot of different cameras to try to get all kinds of different shots to string together in the editing. I see. Any good sports movie, any good boxing movie has to have great editing. Yes. And for all the Rocky faults over the years, the editing is pretty hard to impugn when it comes to the fights themselves. The first movie won the Oscar for editing. I didn't pick up on that. So when you said film cameras, you're drawing a distinction between the types of cameras they might use for, like you said, a documentary or a the movie. The bigger, wider lens. Yeah. When the guy's Versus holding like it. like, I think it's handheld. Broadcast for TV kind of thing. Yeah. The guy's holding it on his shoulder. You see a few times, but one I really picked up on, I think it's handheld. But the lens is wider than two bodies, basically. And you see somebody beside him touching the camera because that guy's the focus puller. I see. Okay. But then Stallone incorporates that. So that means that in this movie, he's never really alone. Look at the fact we have the cameras in the dressing room. Yes. Because we know that Clubber's got to deal with the cameraman and the interviewers. Clubber, give us an interview. I want to be alone. And then he smashes the lights and the cameras. But that's also supposed to be the case when Rocky's getting suited up and he does the friendly punch to Adrian. Is that okay with my tape? Is it good? I think it's supposed to be that the cameras are there seeing that, too. Even when they're prepping for the fight minutes before, the cameras are in their faces. And that's because Stallone faced that so much in this time frame because of the Rocky success, the first, the second one, and everything else he was doing. The Muppet Show thing, that was actually Stallone appearing on that. But then they had Jim Henson redub, it's Rocky Balboa, yay! But of course it said in the actual episode, it's Sylvester Stallone. We see the circus around him, like you've already described. And in particular, during the training sequences before the first fight with Clubber, we see so many cameras around all the time, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't care how famous you are as the top heavyweight champion of the sport, whatever. You're not going to have cameras following you all the time while you're training for the purposes of your nightly news or something. Don't agree. You don't think so? Rocky says he wants to go with the style. He's not taking it seriously. No, no. I'm just saying the fact that the cameras are there all the time are more indicative that something is happening beyond just your nightly news cameras being there. But rather, I think something like you're talking about is happening as well, that people are filming him maybe with an eye towards this is going to be a biography of of Rocky. And and so what we see later, if those cameras are being picked up later on in some of those matches against Clubber, is a continuation of that theme. It seemed too big just to be happenstance local news coverage or something. But apparently it was deliberate by Stallone. I think so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, by the way, I did it in a nutshell. In a nutshell, on Rocky Three, angry black man stalks rich white man, then beats the, we haven't sworn, poop out of him. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's what happens, right? I want him. Your mind, Balboa. Fight me, you paper champion. <laughs> and apparently Mickey couldn't have arranged, well, maybe the soup cans that Rocky seems to be fighting in the montage at the beginning, he could have arranged that. Rocky could retire. Okay, nobody can stop him from doing that. But if Rocky wants to continue being the champion, he can't actually avoid the number one contender. Right. We know that Rocky's been the champion for about three years, and we know that he's fought ten fighters. I never really took it that they were bad fighters. As Mick puts it, no, they were good fighters. They just wouldn't kill us like this guy is. I never really interpreted it as being Clubber has been the number one contender for like two and a half of these three years. And no, but at the point where he challenges him at the statue ceremony, then he is. Then he is, yes. And so you're right. He would have had to fight him. I think it's supposed to be part of the character that he's so driven and so impatient that he can't wait for this fight to be scheduled as it normally would eventually be because he is the number. He's got to force the issue and make well, he it. He follows happen. Rocky everywhere. He's watching so many matches. He's at the Thunderlips thing, he is, which yeah. isn't even a boxing match. <laughs> He's just a big Thunderlips fan, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Apparently, Clubber's got money to travel all over the place and watch Rocky fight. Gotta see him up close. You fool! I'm gonna pity you! I will destroy him! I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got! Why does this incredible fighter never get another shot at it? Because apparently Clubber never... Well, we don't know what happened with the title because Rocky doesn't ever defend the title again. Right. He gives it up. And maybe Clubber fought somebody else or won it three times for all we know. I think I read somewhere that Stallone's idea was that he became a born-again preacher or something like that. What? That's what Stallone apparently said. Just like apparently Drago was supposed to just gone off into the wilderness after losing to Rocky. But this guy would have been so marketable. Losing to Rocky, notwithstanding, he nearly, well, he did kill the guy's friend and he yeah. took Rocky to the limit and could have killed him. You're going to find a way to market that dude in professional wrestling or eventually MMA or even boxing in America. He didn't have to stay in Russia. I guess he disgraced them. I fight to win for me. For me. How are Drago and Clubber Lang not marketable beyond belief, but we never hear of them again? Well, we do eventually in the Creed yes. movies now, well, the second Creed movie with Drago. And that was actually, despite the fact it wasn't a perfect movie or even a great movie, a good idea to bring it back. I liked it well enough, yeah. Just like the Cobra Kai series is doing a pretty good job of bringing back its old characters fairly organically. I hadn't heard the thought process beyond the Clubber Lang backstory or what his... Go in peace? Go in peace. That's weird. Can you picture that? Go in peace, fool! <laughs> I pity the sinner. If you're going to have him go off into the wilderness, given his backstory, I can understand that a little bit because he was effectively like a programmed robot by the Soviets. When he breaks free of that, then what do you have left to you? Granted, we don't really know anything about Clubber Lang aside from the fact that he's a terrifying fighter. So mm -hmm. maybe there's something in that character that we just were never told that makes sense. There's no indication that this guy would just have religion beaten into him by Rocky in the second bout or something. That seems like a really hard left. He learns a hard lesson because he's not in good enough shape after the second round. So that's one thing, too. I think yes. Stu Nahan says, tough rounds to call so far. No, it isn't. Rocky won the first round. Clearly. Clubber clearly won the second round. Clearly. Now, Rocky was drawing him in. Well, he does it more in the third round, I guess, with the whole, my mother hits harder than that, and he's trying to make him miss. But he was doing it a little bit in the second round, too. It was also a matter, I think, of Rocky saying, let me see what this guy has. Take his best shots. I think the only time that Rocky goes down in that second fight is when he's down for maybe a standing eight count. Twice. It is twice. He goes down twice in the second round, yeah. Okay. Maybe the logic is, let me see what he's got. Yeah. When he loses, of course, in the first one, he falls face first. The referee probably should have said, okay, that is it. I am not counting. This guy is done. He may be the champion of the world, but it's over. But I think Rocky in the second fight is more starting to outthink Clubber. Again, not telling Apollo for some reason. This is his strategy. <laughs> but it's more a matter of, 
he's outsmarting him. And then at the end, as I said before, he's just completely destroying him. He's lifting him up off the canvas with these gut shots. But Stu Nahan is wrong because it isn't tough rounds to call. It's one for one, but then Rocky outsmarts him in the third round and yeah. then knocks him out. Rocky is exhausted, which makes you wonder if somehow Clubber could have beaten the bell and maybe took it to a fourth round. Rocky would have had that two minutes to recover, but would he have been able to keep on going if he's exhausted after he knocks him out? Yeah, I didn't love that voiceover from the announcer at the end of the fight because part of what he's supposed to be doing with Apollo, a lot of it is conditioning, right? It's speed, it's conditioning, it's swimming, it's running. And he's supposed to be way more cardiovascularly fit than Clubber, like you just said. Clubber's gassed after the second round. So it kind of undercuts that whole message to say, well, Rocky took Clubber's best shots and he powered through them and he beat Clubber, but then he was exhausted after two and a half rounds exhausting rounds but again it undercuts the training intention a little bit right. if clubber somehow gets back up and we get a bell and it goes to a fourth round what happens then you know you get what adrian said in the beach no excuses if you lose you lose you give yeah. your best we just talked about in our previous podcast i did the eagle olympics it's not about the other people it's not about beating the opponent it's about being better than you thought you could be being better than you were before and if rocky lost to clubber even was knocked out but fought the best fight he could. Look at the way he loses to Apollo in the very first movie and the way he loses to Mason Dixon, not the line, in Rocky Balboa. He's not bitter. He's not angry. Yeah, he wants the second fight against Apollo eventually, but he realizes that, hey, I took the champion of the world to the limit. That's good enough for me. I can't see anymore. Okay, we've discussed that before. And then Mason Dixon, he shouldn't be fighting him because of the brain issues he had when he was younger, but he did his best and he lost in both cases and that's the right call. Oh, fair enough. One of the moments during that second fight that to this day drives me a little bit crazy is Talia Shire's performance. She says throw in the towel at one point, but not so much that. But when Rocky's winning during the he's not getting beaten, he's getting mad or whatever Polly says. He's not getting killed, he's getting mad, look. Yeah, that I like. But Talia Shire, when she's supposed to be cheering him on, is the least enthusiastic yeah. Adrian cheery. It's just... Yay. Rocky, Rocky. Yay. Versus the, Rocky, Rocky. Yeah. Your heart wasn't really in this one, eh? <laughs> Maybe she gave it her all on the beach and didn't have anything left. She gave him the okay and allowed him to actually fight somebody because she always had to in every one of these movies. It's not realistic boxing for sure, and it's fun the way they cut it. I would argue that maybe the filming of the fighting in this movie might be the worst of the first six Rocky movies anyway. Okay. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad. But there are definitely moments when, A, the sound editing is not quite lining up properly. And where you see some of the gloves for the fake punches a good five inches away from the faces and okay, then it's yeah. snapping back. Yeah, you guys didn't really do a bang-up job. It's still a lot of fun. Before Mr. T was cast in this role, apparently Sylvester Stallone wanted to cast a real professional boxer whose name I can't remember because he felt like he had been training to look like a better boxer himself. So I can fight now. I'm good enough now that I can stand in a ring for the purpose of the movie with a pro and look realistic. So let's cast a pro. But they brought this guy in and apparently the fighter was taking it easy. Within 30 seconds or something broke two of Stallone's ribs. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're not doing that. Get an actor in here. And then Mr. T was... Didn't learn his lesson though because on the fourth movie he said to Dolph Lundgren, hit me for real, Dolph. And he almost died. His heart <laughs> moved or something in his chest. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's a black belt martial artist in real life. And he's an enormous and human being. And almost twice your size. Don't tell him to hit you for real. And you didn't learn that three years earlier? In Apparently the previous not. Movie? Well, that's Sly's ego. 
when he was involved in the making of Creed, that famous story, Michael B. Jordan was sparring with a real pro boxer to get ready for the movie. And Stallone told the boxer, hit him once for real and just cold cocked Michael B. Jordan. There's film of it. You can see on YouTube where Jordan just gets hit and just goes back like a piece of wood. Just wow. So when you know you got your rear end handed to you, you this guy will knock you on your A. Yeah. Another thing, by the way, mean growing up on a TV version of this, this guy will knock you on your butt. <laughs> but he does say the A word. We can say ass. That's not R-rated. I do love this mental image now of you spending however many years watching just the last two-thirds of this movie, never really understanding Well, what, what a little more happened. than that. Well, Lethal Weapon, we record off TV, too. That's even worse, because that's a very violent, very R-rated, very language-heavy movie, and I didn't hear any of that or see any of that. <laughs> Until many years later, wow, this movie's pretty intense. I liked the way it was, but my God. This is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps, right? <laughs> nice callback. Yeah, so the boxing's not realistic. We know that picture of the sport. Real fighters, even heavyweights, would not be able to survive the punishment that all of them take. Apollo. Well, then again, I get the feeling that Apollo didn't take that much punishment. Muhammad Ali-esque before he fought Rocky. He was so good and so fast and didn't have 15 round fights, I don't think. We don't know for sure because oh, we don't see that depicted. Yeah. You really only had two real tough fights. You don't want to have him fight Apollo three times. That would be ridiculous. That would be Leonard Moulton enough already. Well, at least the movie <laughs> does change the opponent and change Rocky's style and change Rocky's look. I think even this movie is pretty well shot overall. It partly is. because you've got the Stallone aspect of let's get in people's faces with cameras never ending because that's super deeper fame for you. And let's not forget, you do get some really nice close-up slow-mo shots of some muscular thighs running down oh, the yeah. beach. They zero right in on one thigh and one leg of each guy. Just So can you score? If you're gay or if you like cut male bodies, then absolutely. absolutely. It's funny, too, to think that Stallone, as great as he looked in this one and in four, pound for pound, ab for ab, Michael B. Jordan in Creed and Creed 2 might be even more impressive. You think? Could He's be. Right with him. And Weathers, of course. I mean, right there, yeah, for sure. Lundgren, Mr. T. Hats off to all of them because, wow. It's funny, too, because they show the footage of Apollo and Rocky in the first or maybe even second fight in this movie. Yep. And Rocky looks, with respect to how in shape Stallone was by normal human standards, but he looks fat compared to the yeah, way he, he was. doughy. By number three, Stallone's body fat percentage was probably like one and a half percent. Just low enough that your body isn't trying to eat itself, but ridiculously true. Maybe one reason why he got hurt so easily by that fighter you mentioned in this movie and then by Lundgren. Okay, they also did serious damage, talented fighters, real fighters, but he doesn't have the ability to take a shot. I'm not in good shape. Because <laughs> his ribs are right there. Well, right, yeah. I'm 48 years old and I'm in really bad shape right now, but I've rarely been hurt. I think of Eric Davis, the great baseball player with the Reds, mm -hmm. but he was always, they said, in incredible shape, but he would pull hamstrings and he'd hurt this and he would hurt that and he would hurt this other thing. But who didn't get hurt very often? David Wells, yeah. who was basically looking like me, and Babe Ruth, I guess, back in the day, too. So there is something to be said for not having every muscle be toned and tight and then pop so easily. That era of baseball, there were so many people that were pulling muscles and popping hammies and stuff like that. It was endemic. And part of the reason that was cited is because they were also focused on getting hugely muscular. But if you do that and you don't take the time to limber up and stretch and... I don't know, do yoga. Build a like callus that. on the muscle, if you will. Yeah, if you're not loose, 
it doesn't matter how strong and big you are, you'll get hurt. But the steroids allowed them to recover from those injuries faster, which is one of the reasons you take steroids. Yeah. And Stallone has definitely taken various oh, drugs over yes. the years. In fact, I think he was caught doing something. Did trafficking he admit to it? Before Rocky Balboa, yeah, something like that. I think it was in the early 2000s. Oh, I don't know about the trafficking thing, but I think latter day Stallone has openly said, yeah. Much in the same way that Schwarzenegger has, without citing specifically it was steroids, he said when he was competing in bodybuilding, yeah, he was taking all kinds of things that you're not allowed to take anymore. Nobody looks like that. I don't care how hard you work mm. out naturally. As far as the score goes, this is grading on a curve because we're such Rocky fans. I'm such a Rocky yes. fan. I'll give it an eight because the entertainment factor is so incredible. If I was objective, it'd probably be more like a six and a half. But as yeah. a fan, it's an eight. What about you? This is kind of why I set up the whole discussion with depends on what you're looking to take out of the movie. But you're looking for something that's a little bit fun and kind of goofy, but you're effectively looking for a Rocky movie. You're not looking for a great cinema experience necessarily, just a great Rocky movie. I'd like to give it an 8 as well. The only caveat I have to that is I don't remember what score I gave to Rocky 4. And Rocky 4 is... <laughs> Wasn't it a 10? <laughs> may have been. I hope it was, because Rocky 4 is still my favorite in this series. So whatever I gave to Rocky 4, I give this 0.5 less, okay. just to be safe. Because this might be my second favorite overall. We'll cover Rocky Balboa, obviously, at some point, and then Rocky Five, and that would be all of them between my two podcasts. Until Creed Three inevitably comes yeah. out, and then... Hopefully not with Stallone, because that did end. I watched that scene again recently, the cross-cutting, with Donnie taking his kid to the graveyard of Apollo and talking to the gravestone for the first time in those two movies. Sly going to find his son, who for some reason is estranged from, and his grandson, and it seems like that is the way. If you're not going to kill Rocky, send him off and be in Vancouver as well, mm-hmm. different country, different coast with his son and his grandson. In two weeks, we'll cover something very timely because it's up for a bunch of Oscars just a few days later, about a week and a half later, and it's something neither of us has even seen yet. It's yet another Will Smith sports flick. We've covered quite a few the last couple of years. This one is King Richard, where he is the Williams sisters' father and a right. coach. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I know he's their father. <laughs> That's all I really know about it. I'm not sure who plays the Williams sisters. Well, Anjanu Ellis, I don't know who she is. Maybe his wife. Oh, Yeah. She was nominated for an Oscar, too. So it's Best Picture, it's Best Actor for him, Best Supporting Actress for her, and other nominations on top of that. But you're going to watch it with Bev and me, and it'll be the first time any of us have seen it. It will also be St. Patrick's Day when we post King Richard. So, listeners, feel free to be blitzed out of your minds while you listen to this episode. We'll have to bring some green beer or maybe some green Ryan Coke to the record. All right, we're on Twitter. I am at MovieFiend51. Chris is at Scoring at Movies. You can find us wherever you get podcasts, including the dreaded, horrible, awful Joe Rogan's Ruined Spotify. So take your easy, Rock, you know. I got a lot of more. Got a lot of more. Because you're the fool who's stupid. Did you notice that when he says at the end, the stupid fool? You're the fool who's stupid. At least I'm breathing heavy. <laughs> so many good lines in this movie. Would you just take it easy, Clover? Don't be mentally irregular. Don't be mentally irregular.